take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning. I'm going to start reading in verse 10 of chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10. The Bible says, this is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. We've been in the church of Corinth, I guess, for several weeks since I've preached on the church member. Verse 10, chapter one, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, there be there no divisions among you. But ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that they are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. As Christ divided, was Paul crucified for you, or were were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Crispus and Gaius. Lest any should say that I have baptized in my own name, and I have baptized also in the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me to be baptized, to not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not which is wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be, none, should be made none effect let's pray father i just thank you i praise you lord to be here this morning i just thank you for this church and lord just thank you for the song that we sang i surrender all lord i ask you god we would be surrendered to you and to your will lord i ask you god just for a few moments that my words would be your words my thoughts would be even your thoughts lord i can't think of another time that i've struggled to preach your word as I have today and Lord I ask you God just for your grace Lord I ask you God that your hearers would open their hearts and they'd hear your word Lord Lord as we look at this church of Corinth it was a letter of correction to the church Lord, as I began to think about this, Lord, I, I'm not, in my own personal thinking, I'm thinking, why would this need to be preached here at Washington? It's a church that's full of believers with one common goal, one common mind. Until three weeks ago, I felt like it's a different story. And Lord, you've had it all planned out. Even though this message wasn't planned for this week, for this day. According to me, according to the church, but according to you before the foundation of this earth. And Lord, I ask you, God, as I said a few moments ago, for your grace and your wisdom. Please help me to move out the way completely. And Lord, we trust you, your word will not come back void. The Bible teaches that. Even though it may come on deaf ears. Lord, we ask you, God that your word will be done, your will will be done through this word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This church at Corinth 
and a four-letter word, it was a mess, amen? It was a mess, and I've been preaching on I've been a church member for the last several times I've been up here, and it is always going back to the church of Corinth. Last Sunday, I preached in the church of Corinth, Corinth Baptist Church here in our association, but Paul started this church, and he spent a year and a half preaching in the church, but what happened with the church of Corinth Many believers began letting their culture or began letting their, their own personal preference take over. The, and if you look at um, the, in the times then, th this was a sin city. It's kind of like Las Vegas in our day. And, um, and if you were called a Corinthian, it was a derogatory term because you were a moral person, basically. That's what it meant. Just like, you know, and, and this church struggled with many different issues. First of all, as we look in this first just first chapter, it struggled with disunity in the church. Second of all, it, it followed after men and not after the Lord. Many began to, to argue about who baptized them, who the, who the man was, who this, thinking of more of themselves than they should have of others. They were self-centered. They were carnal. They were fleshly. They tolerated sexual sin. They sued others, believers, in the court system. They committed fornication with the temple prostitutes, misusing and misunderstanding the role of marriage, misunderstanding the role of widows in the church, a lack of love towards others, perverting the role of men and women, selflessness or selfishness and materialism, abuse of the Lord's table, the rich were guilty of not sharing the wealth with the poor, the misuse of spiritual gifts we talked about a few weeks ago, a lack of genuine love towards others, and a misunderstanding of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's as many problems that they faced, but let's be honest, as many of those problems we face in today's church of the same kind of deal. And so Paul writes this letter of correction to the church. Why did Paul have the, the ability? Because he planted the church. He had some, uh, some, some collateral, uh, I mean, some, uh, some, uh, some people who really put confidence in Paul, but also the Lord told him to. Amen. That's the main focus. The Lord told him to. But, but most of these problems stemmed off one thing. And this is what I'm talking about this morning. It stemmed off of disunity. They were the same church, but they lacked a common goal. They lacked a common love. They lacked a common focus. So this morning, as you look at the title of the message, I will be a, a gentle church member. The word gentle means to be kind. And so as a gentle church member, I will be easy to get along with. I will do everything in my ability to guarantee that the church stands together in unity and in love for Christ. So I want to look at four or three areas this morning. And I may read a lot this morning because I don't want anybody to misquote. And I want to make sure I, 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 I say exactly what God wants me to say. We see, first of all, in verse 10, there's a call to unity. Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you. As Paul begins, he says this, I beseech you, brethren. First of all, he refers to those as brethren. Brethren is he's putting everybody together. Hey, we're, we're the body of Christ. We're together. Hey, we're brothers and sisters. We're the body. Amen. He's saying we're all brethren in Christ. And then he used the word beseech. That word beseech in the New Testament is mentioned 109 times. It means to call to one side, to encourage, to comfort, to exhort, to explore. So, it, so, it, it, so it's an image of this. It's an image of a friend. Or, or, or a leader who approaches another with the desire to help them, to encourage them, to challenge them when they're wrong. Like I said, it's a letter of correction. It, you know, it, it's a friend. You know, it's bad when there's friends who won't tell you when you're wrong. There should be friends that come alongside of you and encourage you with brotherly love and say, look here, hey, you're wrong. 
But not only was it, that, that first of all, it was a, a call, an intimate call. It was an inclusive call. Paul says this. He said to all. He said that ye all speak the same thing. And he uses, he uses this title, uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to flesh out too much, but this first, we're going to look at the word Lord. The word Lord speaks of authority or headship or relationship between a master and a slave. We don't like to talk about slaves in, in America, but this is a different kind of slave. When you give your life to Christ, he becomes your Lord, not only your Savior. In the Bible, there's nowhere that separates Savior and Lord. Amen? They're all the same. If he's your Savior, he's a Lord. You might not act like he's your Lord, but he is your Lord. So basically, when he's your Lord, hey, and if you look at the word servant in the New Testament, everywhere the word servant means slave. So when we were, when we were purchased by the blood of Jesus, we become slaves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so basically, we gave our personal rights up because our personal rights become our master's will. And most people don't like to talk about that, but the master has authority over this. That's what 1 Corinthians says in chapter 6. It says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And then in John chapter 14, Jesus said, Love me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Paul pleading to the church, say, Look here, if he's your Lord, hey, live like he's your Lord. Amen. Surrender to his lordship. And then he says this. Now he says, Lord, but he says, Or. The second word in the title that is Or, this means, hey, that we're not individuals in Christ. We are the body of Christ. It's our, we're our part of the body. I mean, we're to work together as the body. You know, I, I tell you, as I thought about the body today, and, I thought, and I've talked about unity in the body, I've talked about the body working together. You know, I, I said, Lord, how can I illustrate this? And I, and I thought about this, Brother Chris, and I was like, how can I illustrate this? And I thought about a tooth. When a tooth, when you have a toothache, it affects everything in your body. And sometimes you can, you can put something on the tooth to numb the tooth, and it, it's okay for a little while, but then that tooth starts acting up again. And then you eventually have to go to a dentist, and you either got to get the tooth filled. Amen. Many of us got feelings. You got to get it capped and get a root canal, or you got to get it pulled. Amen. I got a tooth every time I got a uh, um, uh, uh x-rays in the military said you're missing a tooth i said yeah because it was 99 it was 999 dollars back in the day to get a root canal or it was 99 dollars to get the tooth pulled and as a poor young business guy i needed i only have was 99 dollars but sometimes what are you saying preacher sometimes hey we, you know that whole tooth will affect the whole body sometimes it needs to be capped sometimes be filled hey sometimes it needs to be removed you know, to get, to get the body acting right. And sometimes, it, you know, we, we, don't look at, we don't like to look at that thing, but the whole body is a, it, it should be moving in unity. Jesus said this in John chapter 17. He said, Neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be what? Anybody know the verse 1? As our Father art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us that we the world may believe that thou hast sent me you know why you know why I said that because if we're acting as one hey the world knows we're one but when we show disunity or dysfunction how's the church going to trust Jesus Christ amen I mean, I mean how people are going to say I want to be a part of that church because it's it's, it's disunified then we see the instructive call and, and Paul begins to even unpack it even more and he says this 
that there be no division among you, but you be perfectly fit together in the same mind and the same judgment. But before he says that, he says that ye all speak the same thing. This phrase means that you all pour forth the same sound. Amen. That you're, you're the same in everything. You know, when we got into the world, you know, the world breeds confusion. But it would, if it comes into the church, it adds more confusion. This is what Matthew says. It says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to dissolution. Every city, every house divided against itself shall not stand. Paul says this, there there be no divisions among you. Anybody ever ever looked at that word, divisions? If you look it up in the Greek, it means a schism, a rent, a tear, a rip, a gap, or a split. Hey, the church of Corinth was split over many issues. Hey, they they were rent, they were tore apart, and the body was being destroyed over it. They were tore over this. They were tore over different doctrines. They were tore over different preachers. They were tore over lifestyles. And there was all these things going on, all these struggles. And Jesus is like, hey, or Paul's like here, hey, there should not be none of this in the church. Amen. We got, we got to deal with that in the world, but not in the church house. You know, if we're mature, we, we, need, to, we, need, we need to, hey, realize, hey, it's all about the Lord, not us. And then he said this, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. This phrase means to mend. Perfectly joined means to mend. Like you mend nets, like you mend joints. Hey, like you mend things. Hey, it's so important that we as believers learn how to mend. But what we want to do is we want to get mad because we didn't get our way instead of mending things. I want to say this, and I highlighted it red in my notes. If a person pretends to walk in unity, I want you to quote me on this, but the person pretends to walk in unity when in the heart they are against some major issue in the church, the person's a hypocrite. If you pretend to walk and write with the Lord, and you're, and you're not right, hey, you're a hypocrite. That's what hypocrites do. I mean, they pretend to be who they are, and they're not. But we see their call to unity, but we see the collapse of unity. In verses 11 and 12, this is where it even gets deeper to the root, where Paul begins to even unpack it more. We see there were communications. In verse 11, for it has been declared unto me that you, my brethren, by that which are the, the house of Cleo, that there are contentions among you. We see that, first of all, the contentions. The word contentions mean there in the Greek strife, quarreling, and debate. And, and you know, the, the, the church is divided over many things. They were divided over all these things, and it's so important that we don't get divided over these things. But, they, they, but you know, it, it says they, they were divided over quarreling, strife, debate. The church was not walking in unity. They were divided over themselves because of cliques. You know, the church was divided over race, finances, Social standing, doctrine, you know, and, and it's so sad that most churches get divided over these things. And, you know, and I'm also going to throw this out there. The church of Waxhamasol is divided over a process, maybe even a preacher, maybe even a salary. And I'm throwing that out there because that's what I heard the last couple of weeks. Let me share a short list of kinds of struggles we see in our church, not only in this church, but in the church. We divide over people. You know, some churches don't want certain races or certain personalities in their church. I hope, hey, this church will allow everybody. Amen. We divide over power. God has created an order in the church. The church calls pastors. They ordain leaders. Yet many refuse to follow the leadership God has placed in the church. Sometimes people who are not 
a position of authority to rebel against those who are. Why? Because they want power. We divide over petty issues. Some churches argue about paint colors, pews, carpet, projectors, music. I've heard uh, there's a pastor this morning I talked to on the way to church this morning that's getting fired over petty issues. There's a, there, there, you, know, you know, the old style churches, they have these two chairs up here. They have the two chairs, and, and we don't have them up here for me to illustrate, but he moved one of those chairs because he don't sit up here. He sits in the audience because he can worship. I used to sit on those chairs, and I, when I first, my wife used to tell me I got a dirty look on my face all the time, and um, it wasn't that I have a dirty look on my face. I'm in the zone when I'm looking, but people see you, and so I like to be a part of the audience to worship, but he's getting, he's getting fired over because he moved one of the chairs. Because in the last year, he's introduced contemporary music to the church. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm hearing this young man, his first church, and all these things grow going through my mind. I'm thinking, why is this guy getting fired over preaching the gospel? You know, and, and, and it's sad, but churches get divided over petty issues. And see, and the, the, the thing, let me tell you something about this church. So half the deacons want to keep him. The other half the deacons don't want to keep him. They want to bring him to the church on July 12th for a vote of competence. You know what a vote of competence is? It's whether we keep the preacher or not. But let me, let me tell you this. The church is already divided. Amen. And so, so he asked me, I mean, what do I do? You know, if he wins the vote, he's still there. If he loses the vote, the half the church didn't like him still, still there or they're gone. You know, and, and now they're going to work out a se- try to work out a severance package for this young man because he hasn't done anything illegal, immoral at all or unbiblical. But it's sad because churches deal with that. And, and, and you say that's just one church. <laughs> and, and, and Myrtle Beach, I helped 13 churches fire their pastor because of petty issues. And there's two already happened this year because of petty issues or difference of leadership style. But not only we divide over petty issues, but we divide over personal offenses when we hold words and acts of others to refuse extended grace and forgiveness. This is one of the biggest things in a lot of churches. Hey, we try to extend an olive branch of forgiveness, and we won't accept it because pride won't let us do that. And, and we want to argue, we want to fight because of someone else. Hey, it causes division in the church. And then we divide over, over, over sin that, you know, that, that you know, some people— you know, some churches don't like to do, operate in uh, church discipline. You know, they divide over different things. But it's so important, hey, that we stand where the Bible is clear, we stand together. Hey, where the Bible is not clear, we must make room for liberty. Hey, we must agree to disagree sometimes. You know, the Romans, Romans 16 says this, Now, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Sometimes you got to mark people. In Philippians, it says this. And as Paul ran to the church of Philippi, I only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit and of one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Amen. Wouldn't that be a great testimony to have? Wouldn't that be a great, if someone heard about Wasmasaw Baptist Church, wouldn't it be great? Hey, all they do is talk about Jesus, hey? All they want to do is tell people about Jesus. And then we see there's chaos. As there's all the war in the spirit church, they get divided. And, and this is getting, it gets worse because we all, as believers, we all, I, I have a pastor, amen, 
that, that, that I, when I was a child, he was my pastor. And, 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 and as a youth pastor, he was my pastor. And he's still my pastor. And, and, and his name's David. And, and he, now he's going to the mission field, but he's always been that guy. But so many times we, we put those guys on pedestals. And, and, you know, and, 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 and it's what Paul says. He says, now this I say that every one of you saith, I am a Paul, I am a Paulus, and I am a Cephas, and I am a Christ. You know, and, and basically they were fighting over who was the best preacher, who their preacher was, who their pastor was. And let me be honest this morning. Just for two more weeks, I am the pastor at Walks with Salt Baptist Church. Just for two more weeks, amen. But I've been the pastor. When your pastor retired, he ceased being the pastor here. I love Norman Rogers. I met with Norman Rogers last week. He's, he's, he's not the pastor here anymore. Hey, it's time for us hey, to realize, hey, where's the, where, where's the, who's the pastor God's calling here? And move forward. But so many times we get caught up in all those things. You know, I, I, I'm going to share a story with you. I wasn't going to share it, but I never forget this. There's a lady in my last church, and I may have shared it before, but she gave me, she gave me the, 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 the aggravation after aggravation. She's the lady I told you, and I may have told you this. She come to me one Sunday morning, and she said that she gives $100 a week to this church, and she wasn't getting $100 a week a week work out of me that's what she told me and for 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 months she sowed discord for months and the, and the bad thing was she was the she was the chairman of the pastor search committee that called me and so you know and they wanted to be friends and and anyway long story short about three or four years into it she started sowing discord i had to confront her and and, and she left the church I, well let me, let me rephrase that i confronted her and i said look here I, I said if i've done anything to offend you please forgive me and this is what she said. She said, no, I'm not going to forgive you. So anyway, they left the church. And I'm telling you all that I say this in, in a short, short um, scenario. But she left the church. But about two years later, she comes to a revival meeting our church is having because she's real connected with some of our members. And this pastor, he preached on the life of Jacob. Y'all know the life of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Amen. You know, his name's Israel. But he preached on the life of Jacob, and he preached on how Jacob for a decade was in depression. Why was Jacob in depression? Because he assumed that his son Joseph was dead. Y'all remember the story. His brothers came, they threw him in the pit, they sold him, and then he brought this coat of many colors that was covered in goat's blood. And he, and he assumed he was dead. He didn't send a search party out. He just assumed he was dead. Ten years later, there's a famine in the land. Hey, Joseph's been promoted to the governor, so to speak. And, and then his brothers come and they buy corn and all that happens. You know the story. And then the brothers came back and said, hey, hey, Joseph's alive. For ten years, he assumed he was dead. For ten years, he lived under assumption because he thought his son was dead. Now, I want to tell you now, how's that got to do with that, that woman? So on the way out of the door, the woman just hugs my neck. And I'm thinking, revival has happened. <laughs> she hugged my neck, and this is what she said. She said, and she, and let me, let me tell you this, two, the last two pastors before me, she ran them off. She plainly said she was going to run me off. And like I said, I'm trying to abbreviate the story for the sake of time. But the, at, the, at the end, this is what she said. She said, I have been mad at you. 
and all the pastors prior to you beside the five pastors before you. So he said, the fifth pastor before you was my pastor. We went camping together. We hung out together. We did all these And I assumed that every pastor of the church would be the same way. And she said, that's why I spent years trying to run pastors off and do this and do that because he was my pastor. The bad thing is, she so discord. And she had been disciplined through the Lord. The Lord disciplined her in many ways. I, she, she called one pastor and, and asked this. She said, will you get the curse off of me? She said, my family's been going through over and over. And, and he hadn't cursed her. The Lord was disciplining her. But it's, it's so important that we, as with believers, Paul's saying, look here, we're not to be un disunified over all these and who this, who that is. And, and then he asked this question, is Christ divided? You know, Christ is not divided. Christ is not divided. You know, when we, when we start arguing about who's this, who's that, it all roots in one little thing. It roots about pride. It comes down to the wanting who we want. But God's not pleased in that. He's not glorified in that. And, and Paul's saying, look here, hey, look here. Christ is not divided. Paul's crucified. It wasn't crucified for you. It wasn't baptized in name. He said, I thank God I baptize none of you but Crispus and Gaius. But when we see the call, we see the collapse because of personal preference. But we see the challenge. He begins to unpack it. Like, he, like I said a moment ago, is Christ divided? That means to be cut in pieces. And as, as not, of course, he, he's still one Savior. He's God the Father, God the Son. He's, he's working in perfect unity. But the bad thing is, say people strive to be gentle in their relationships. They, they help the body. You know, they, they, they cause disunity because they want to argue about different things. You know, some people thrive on this. They thrive on chaos. They love to see turmoil and division. You know, I've been around church members, and I've been around families, and you know those, some of those families that may be in your family that is always turmoil, there's always drama. I hate drama, amen? As I said earlier, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, when people bring me drama, I just tell them to cry a river, build a bridge, and get over it. That's just the way I am sometimes. I'm straightforward. And then some complain about everything that they don't like. You know, those people are just negative. They whisper about this problem or their flaw, and they try to undermine the work of Christ and the leadership. Some people in the church, you are not happy unless everything is being done their way. You ever met one of those people? Some people get upset over issues and allow their anger sidetrack them to the walk of God. They act out and undermine the unity of the church. And some people don't care what kind of damage they cause. It's a bad thing. As long as their will is being done, not God's will being done. If that attitude describes any of you this morning, I encourage you to repent, apologize, and change your attitude. It's just simple. And then we see there's a challenge in the focus, and Paul begins to tell them, hey, this focus is what the focus on. They were not divided over issues. They were, they were not to be divided over issues, desires, personalities, or socialists. They were to stand together as one common ground. They were to stand together in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is more important than our opinion. Amen. The gospel is more important than our opinion. Let me ask you this question. Wouldn't it be better for the church to be all about the gospel than it was about what we want? You know, Psalm said this in, in uh, Psalm 133, 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. 
So what is unity? I'm going to answer this last question and I'm going to close. Unity, first of all, is not every member being the clone of every other member. That's not always agreeing on every issue. It's not submitting to dictatorial leadership. It's not recognition or I can't even say the word. Giving up your own right or opinion. It's not even giving up your voice or opinion. It's not a blind obedience to leaders who are obviously wrong. But what is it? It's learning to walk as one in spite of other areas of disagreement. We won't agree on everything. Hey, but we need to, in despite, walk in, in agreement for the, what's best for the body. It's learning to trust your leaders to make the right decisions. It's learning to stand together even when things don't go our way. I might have shared this, but I, I, I shared this with the committee the other day. But, you know, there's a guy that in my, in my first church, they were going to build a building. And when they went to build a building, he voted against it because he didn't want the building. And, you know, once they voted to build the building, guess who they put in charge of building the building? The guy. And he built the building. Why? Because he went with the majority. And the majority said, we're going to build a building, and he supported it, amen, even though he didn't, he didn't agree with it. It's learning instead of getting, even though we don't get our way. It's, it's, it's being in agreement with the doctrine position of the church. And you know what this is saying? There's a lot of people want to argue about the church or what we believe. Hey, if you don't believe what we believe, hey, maybe find a church that does believe what you believe. And I hate to say it like that, but so many times we want the church. And, you know, and, 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 you know if, you've, if you've watched the news and our Southern Baptist news, there's a lot of things coming out. You know, and, and, and it's going to be a lot more come out. And, 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 and we've got to understand God's sovereign, and every church is autonomous. And we've got to trust God through this. Hey, it's yielding your rights and opinions for the good. Let me, let, me, let me stop here. It's yielding your rights and opinions for the good of the church. That's what unity is. It's understanding the needs of the body outweighs the needs of an individual. It's refusing to allow any issue to disrupt the peace and fellowship of the church. It's just learning to agree to disagree. You know, at, I'm preaching some of you who are, who, are, who basically are, are, hey, you're right where you need to be with the Lord, but maybe this morning you're not. Maybe the Lord's calling to you, abandon your hurt feelings, your perceived rights, your desires, and he's calling you to make things right with your fellow believer. As I said earlier, hey, what, what plagues the church is, is pride. We don't want to face it. You know, I, and I'm preaching to some people today who do not even know the Lord Jesus Christ that needs Jesus. You know, I don't know who you are. Only the Lord does. You know, I'm preaching to people who also need to get over the past and move to the future. It's time to forget the past and forgive and do what the Lord tasks us to do. A writer says this, there are two ways of being united. One is being frozen together and the other is being melted together. Now think about that. One's being frozen together and one's being melted together. What Christians need to be is united, brotherly love, and they may expect to have the power. Hey, it, a writer said two ways to be united. One's frozen, one's melted. But he said what Christians need to be is united in the brotherly love and then they may expect to have power power we want to know why it's power now in the church because we're not moving together we're not unified hey watch us all baptist church we need to be unified in what god has for us 
not only for Washington, but for the church as a whole. In closing, I'm going to say this. Hey, I did exactly what God wanted me to do this morning. It's your turn to respond. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you.